Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. All right. Well, good morning, Renovation Church family. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Danny. I am not the lead pastor. Anytime I'm uh, preaching at a church, I remind people, if you don't like the preaching that this week, don't worry about it. Come back. It's much better next week. Uh, pastor Cody is uh, really uh, taking some time just to really gear up, uh, not only for the outreach that will be on the 19th, but for the candlelight uh, Christmas Eve services as well, as well that will be on the 23rd. And uh, we're now in our uh, third week of At the Movies. And you may be wondering, why in the world would we spend time watching movies in church? I could have just stayed home for that. Uh, but there is a purpose uh, behind it. And what we're doing is we're recognizing biblical themes uh, that happen in movies, and then we use scripture to teach through them. And you may think this is some like super novel idea, but really it's not because even Jesus used this technique. What Jesus did as he was you know, sharing deeper theological truths is that he would use modern day like stories and examples that people would be able to understand in order to communicate things about God. It says in Matthew 13, 34, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowds in parables. He didn't share anything without sharing it through a parable. So these, the, the movies are essentially modern-day parables. And today, we're using the Grinch. Now, Stuart did an online survey of like um, popular, you know, the most, your, your favorite Christmas movies, and somehow Grinch got really, really high up there. However, he didn't distinguish between which Grinch. Like, there's the old school Grinch, and then there's like this modern day one, which actually is now 20 years old, but this is the one that's a little bit creepy. Uh, but I chose it for a reason, because I think that there's some things that we can extract from this in watching the Grinch and learning how we can deal with difficult people. How many people have some difficult people in their lives? Raise your hand, even if you're thinking of someone specific. Don't look over at your spouse right now. Okay, a good number of you have your hands up. If you don't have your hands up, it means that you are the difficult person. So uh, just understand that. But Jesus talked a lot, and we have lots of different verses in the Bible that tell us and teach us how to deal with difficult people. I want to share with you one that you're probably familiar with, Hesitations chapter 6, verses 27 through 30. Destroy your enemies and prepare to defend yourself against these. Use gossip and passive-aggressive words to tear them down. And if they slap you on the cheek, dodge left and use a right hook to deliver a blow from the head. You familiar with that one? Yeah? No, no, you shouldn't be because I made it up. There's no such verse. I just kind of flipped around some of the concepts. The real one is what Jesus taught in Luke chapter 6. Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those that abuse you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. See, what Jesus uh, uh, teaches us and what we learn from Scripture is that our nature, kind of what comes natural to us, our sinful nature, is that when someone does something wrong to us, they offend us, they sin against us, we want to do everything that we can, not only to defend ourselves, but also just to take revenge, to, to hurt them, to tear them down, to get even. 
if you will. But Jesus says, no, that's not the way that I want you to react. Instead, he says something radical. He says, I want you to love your enemies. I want you to pray for those that hurt you and harm you and persecute you. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at four different clips, and then we're going to teach through four different scriptures to kind of highlight the biblical principles that we're seeing. So let's take a look at this first clip from The Grinch. All right, so our first principle, and you can write this down in dealing with difficult people, is to remember that everyone has a story. Everyone has a story. Now, here's why I actually chose, um, you know, or like this version of The Grinch, because you get the backstory. We, we all know that the Grinch hates Christmas, but the question is, why? Well, here we get this inside, the, the backstory to what happened. When the Grinch was eight years old, he had this crush on Martha May, so he made this um, gift because this was a way that he could express that he liked her. And then what happens? He gets rejected, he gets made fun of, he gets laughed at, including even by his teacher. So it's really at that moment that you can see that his heart gets hard. And what does he say? I hate Christmas. So his heart gets hard towards people, and he even ties it directly to gift giving and to Christmas. And so now we see this backstory of what made him so angry. And here, uh, uh, Cindy, Cindy Lou is the one that it really spends the time trying to figure out why is it that he's so upset? I love this because this actually ties into week one. If you remember Pastor Cody, he said, hurt people often hurt people, right? So as you're thinking about difficult people and there's things that are going on, you need to even just pause for a moment and remember that there is some sort of story. Maybe you'll find it out like Cindy Lou did, and it'll help you to understand why they're reacting the way that they are. Maybe you won't, but nonetheless, remember that every single person has a story. You know, as I was thinking through scripture, there's a number of different like, people that we meet in the Bible and we kind of get some of their past and their story and helps us to understand why they act and react the way that they, they do. And I had a couple different ones that I had, you know, was kind of looking at, but I kept coming back to the same one over and over and over again. And that is the story of Zacchaeus. How many of you remember Zacchaeus? Even if you don't go to church Often, if you were younger in Sunday school, there was a cute little story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Remember, you have a little song, the little rhyme. It's actually really not that cute of a story. Because what happens is what you find out is that Zacchaeus was a bad person. It says that he was filled with greed and he defrauded people. Now, I'm careful not to overinterpret Scripture. In other words, not like adding in things that aren't there. However, as I read Scripture myself, there's sometimes where I ask some questions and, and maybe try to guess a little bit of what's going on. So when I'm sharing that from the pulpit, I make very clear that what I'm about to tell you is not all, it's not in Scripture, but I think it's a possibility. I mean, think of Zacchaeus. You remember what it says about him? That he had short stature. I mean, I'm wondering myself as I'm reading this, if we were to be able to go back to eight-year-old Zacchaeus, would it be somewhat similar to the Grinch here? Because he, he was short, maybe he was the one that was always the last picked, right? He's never going to make it on the basketball team. Maybe he's the one that didn't get to get an invitation to go to prom. 
Maybe he's the one that the kids were always making fun of on the playground. And so because of that, he got a hard heart. Now, what we do know from Scripture is how he responds later on in life, that he gets a position of power. He's a tax collector. There is nothing inherently wrong with being a tax collector, but what he had is power, and what he did with the power is that he began to abuse people. And because he was a tax collector, it meant that he was collecting taxes from people that he knew and grew up in his, his, his life. I, I just wonder, I'm having to wonder if some of the things that happened to him when he was younger thinking, you know what? Remember when you made fun of me? I know you owe 100 bucks, but this year it's 500 I know that you owe 1000 but this year it's 5000 I know you owe 5000 but this year it's 10000 And just doing anything that he could to amass wealth for himself and to make it painful for other people. Well, those of you that paid attention in Sunday school, you know what happens, right? He climbs the tree because he hears about this Jesus guy performing miracles, healing people, giving words of wisdom about God the Father. And so he climbs this tree, and Jesus sees him and says, Zacchaeus, get down from the tree. Now, unlike Cindy Lou Who, Jesus is God in the flesh, knows Zacchaeus's whole story, knew his name without ever having... Uh, met him before, knew his whole story. And he says, Zacchaeus, get down from this tree because I'm having dinner at your house. No, that was awesome. And Zacchaeus like, that's great. Let's do it. I'm, I'm getting really to have dinner with this famous person. But you know what everyone else did? They were snickering like, this is horrible. We're good people. We're righteous people. We should be having dinner with this prophet. He picked like the worst of the worst. And this is where Jesus says something that is really important. It says, salvation has come to this house today because I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. See, sometimes we understand the grace of God or we say the, the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. But what we're thinking in our mind is, well, Jesus really came for the righteous people, the, the well-behaved, those that didn't sin that much. And he's, he's so much full of grace that he also forgives the bad people as well, too. That's not what the scripture says. It says that he came to seek and to save the lost. They were actually his first priority. Jesus said, I didn't, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. And so when he sees Zacchaeus, he remembers Zacchaeus' story. He knows Zacchaeus' story, and that's who he pursues. So here's why this is so important for us as we're dealing with difficult people is that if we are followers of Christ, if we are disciples of Jesus, then our lives ought to imitate and to have the same heart attitude that he had. And so if Jesus was drawn in and pursued those that were far from him, we ought to do the same. I'll tell you what happens when I encounter difficult people. Uh, I usually want to run the other direction. I want to ignore them. Or if I have a difficult person that's in my life, again, I want to retaliate, do harmful things. But instead, what if we were to just pause for a moment? Just acknowledging, you know what, there could be a story there. Maybe it's even getting to know their story. And instead of leaning away from them, to be able to lean in to the relationship and to get to know them. I, uh, I didn't share this with the uh, morning service, so you guys are, you get a little extra bonus here. But... Um, uh, when I was in college, I took, I had just surrendered my life to Christ. I was going to a state school, University of Wisconsin, Oshkosh, and, uh, uh, which is, by the way, known as the Harvard of the Midwest. Um, 
Uh, it's also called UW0 and Sloshkosh, and um, so I guess you can kind of uh, choose whichever way you want to do it. But anyways, I had come to Christ, and so I thought, oh, I'm going to start taking some Bible classes because now I can learn about the Bible. Well, as you might imagine, at a state school, the Bible classes weren't to you know, try to get you to believe in God and believe in Jesus. It was actually completely the opposite, how to kind of be critical and you know, how to almost like uh, discredit your faith uh, type of thing. And I had this professor um, that she just had just this mean spirit and this anger. And uh, she was on something called the Jesus Seminar, which is basically to uh, shred the Bible, like just black line everything. And anything, anytime there was discussion about men who were in authority, um, anything that was... Um, you know, uh, dealing with marriage, relationships, and stuff, you could see that she would just basically, you know, um, cross it out and just, you know, just talk about why we shouldn't believe it. And, and I just got so mad because no matter how I answered questions, no matter what I did in the class, I thought that even just uh, because I was a Christian, number one, and uh, because I was a guy, number two, that I automatically was going to get, you know, a B, C, or D on my papers and tests and, and that type of thing. I was, I was angry. Um, I was a young Christian, so I think I probably prayed that like bad things would happen to her. Um, so just a little confession of myself right there. Uh, but what I found out, uh, because I ended up having her for two or three classes, uh, is that she was in an abusive, her, her husband abused her, and that um, her pastor, because uh, she was uh, a Christian when she was younger, um, uh, basically um, told her just to withstand it and there's nothing, to, you know, told her she was making it up and, and the whole thing. And so for me, that was even a turning point in my own relationship with God that I was understanding finally, this is the thing that is causing her to act and respond this way. And I'm thankful for passages like this where Jesus is saying, no, you need to be able to lean in. Once you get to know their story, then and you remember their story, maybe it'll make a little bit of sense of why they're acting that way. All right, so our first one is, just remember everyone has a story. Let's watch clip number two. All right, a few laughs in there. At least you had to laugh at his little, his little dance. So um, principle number two, use a mirror, not a magnifying glass. Use a mirror, not a magnifying glass. Now, in this clip, the reason why I chose this one is because the Grinch, who is the difficult person, is basically flipping it around on them and allowing them to see some of their own issues. If you remember the story in the beginning, or remember the movie, they're buying all sorts of things, and they've kind of really lost their way about what Christmas is all about. And they're being greedy, and they're at each other's throats, and they're making it all about materialistic things and not about joy and all of those different um, things that Christmas is supposed to be about. So the Grinch says, no, look at yourselves here. And one of the things that Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when you've got this plank coming out of your own? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. What Jesus was and who Jesus was talking to primarily in this passage were the Pharisees and the religious leaders. You remember, these were the people that walked around and they considered themselves to be very, very holy and righteous. 
but even the people of the time considered them to be holy and righteous because they kept a number of different laws and then they even made laws upon God's law and just all sorts of rules for all the people to follow. And then basically what they did is they went around with a magnifying glass and were pointing out all of the people's mistakes and sins. And Jesus just had enough of it. And he said, listen, before you go nitpicking, before you start pointing out all of the different little things that are wrong in people's lives, instead of using a magnifying glass, flip it around, and maybe you ought to be looking in the mirror. And I think that this is important for us as we think about difficult people in our lives. It doesn't mean that there aren't difficult people, but oftentimes God will even put those people in our lives just for a chance for us to look in the mirror, to do a little bit of self-reflection. And sometimes that can even come to the place of just even going before God during a time of prayer, time of journaling, and to say, uh, God, search my heart. Now, that was one of the prayers of, of King David. Search my heart, O God. And I think that that's something that we can, um, as, as followers of Christ, that we can grow in a lot because, again, uh, like I said, I think that there's tons of difficult people out there, but oftentimes it's even starting right with us. And I think that the reason that we begin to point out other people's kind of mistakes really kind of stems from two uh, connected uh, uh, reasons. And that is first that we actually do think we are better, right? I, I am totally guilty of this, right? You can kind of look around and you kind of, you know, rate yourself and you just think, oh, that's a difficult person. Essentially what you're saying is more people should be like me. Have you ever said that to your spouse before? If you were just more like me, it would be so much easier. Probably not at all. But the second reason is that we often point out other people's mistakes because it makes us feel better. There's something subconscious. Like if we're able to point out the mistakes and, and, and to put other people down, it kind of raises us up. And so for us, uh, any time that we can use a mirror instead of a magnifying glass, it's going to help us in dealing with difficult people. All right, moving right along, uh, clip number three. Okay, I think that one is honestly my favorite clip uh, of the movie. And uh, you can write down for our principle number three is to respond with grace. Now, did you notice this? Is that um, Cindy Lou, which, you know, I assume that she really knew that it was the Grinch. I mean, how could you mistake his, you know, green, you know, hairy fur as he's, you know, taking all of the different presents and everything and not really leaving anything for the kids. But she says, when she says to him, I think he's sweet. At first, there's this you know, negative reaction, and then all of a sudden, it's as if there's this wave. Physically, you can see it in his body language. Like, oh, wow, you just responded totally different than I expected. And often, again, a hurt person will like to hurt people, and they are almost conditioned to hurt others and to expect some sort of negative reaction. And so when Cindy, instead of saying like, oh, you're a horrible person and stop stealing all of our presents, I'm going to turn you in. She says, make sure you give the Grinch a gift because I think that he's sweet. It changes something. 
wanted to read from Romans chapter 12, and we're going to spend just a little bit of time here because I think it's an important one. The Apostle Paul is really just carrying on the teachings of Jesus. And in verse 17, he says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Here's verse 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, so we have almost some of the exact same words as Jesus. You know, love your enemies, uh, do nice things for them. But there may be something that jumped out at you because even the first time I read this passage and definitely in studying it for this week, there's two things that just really jumped out at me. And that was in verse 19 where it says, don't take revenge, but instead leave room for God's wrath. Now, being a pastor, I've had spiritual conversations with tons and tons of people. And one of the things that I commonly hear is, well, I don't like the Old, the old Testament God. He seems to be a, a God of wrath. I like the New Testament God who seems to be a God of grace. I have some news for you. They're the same God. There's only one God, and God says that he does not change yesterday, today, or tomorrow. So we need to be able to make sense of what is going on. And I want to take a, a moment here and maybe this will take a little bit of mental work, but follow me with this because it does translate in how it affects our relationships. Uh, instead of using the word wrath, I want you to replace it with the word justice because I think that we can understand that better. When something wrong happens to us or to some of our loved ones, what do we say? We want justice. There has been a wrong that has been committed and now there needs to be something done in order to make it right again. We even can understand justice when it doesn't involve us or our friends or family. We can watch something on TV, right? And we say, that's not right. Something needs to be done. Some sort of justice needs to happen. If someone did this to this person, something needs to happen to them, right? We get it. We understand justice. Well, we serve a holy and righteous and perfect God, and we serve one that is also fully just. And so what we see in the Old Testament is we see that as people broke their relationship with God, as God is holy and perfect and the people were not, we would see that justice work its way out through God's wrath. Or even if it was other nations or other religions that were doing wrong things to the people of God, then God would say, well, that's not right. So there's going to be wrath. There is going to be justice that happens. And this is why you have so much bloodshed in the Old Testament. You've got, you know, the sacrifices and animals being sacrificed. All of that was saying, okay, there's something wrong. Now God is going to make it right. That wrath and that justice carries fully all the way through the New Testament. It's just directed differently. And here's what I mean by that. Jesus takes on the wrath that we deserved. Okay, scripture is a very, very clear that says, for the wages of sin is death. That means that each and every one of us, as we have sinned, what do we deserve? We deserve death. We deserve the wrath of God. 
But God loved us so much, this is exactly why he sent Jesus. And Jesus came, lived a perfect life, sinless, did not deserve death, but says, stop, stop. Let me take the place of all of you. So when Jesus is hanging on the cross, he is literally taking on the wrath of God for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. This is called the gospel. So anytime you hear the word gospel, it just means good news. This is such good news. Now you understand why it's called such good news. I was supposed to die. I was supposed to receive the wrath of God. But instead, I experienced the grace and forgiveness because Jesus took that wrath instead of me. Now, here's how it translates into dealing with difficult people. If you're catching what it says here, it's saying, hey, if someone treats you wrong, someone offends you, an enemy does something wrong against you, it's okay for you to step back. You don't need to be the one to take revenge, but instead allow the wrath of God to take care of that. Which some of you are like, oh, yeah, I like the sounds of that, right? And it is true. There may be some wrath that is incurred upon that person, But just also understand it may be the same wrath that you experienced, which is really grace. And wouldn't that be the most amazing thing? Is that as the person is difficult, again, boss, coworker, worse, a friend or family member that did something against you, that they begin to experience the grace of God. Because just like Cindy Lou, as you express the grace of God, there may be something that changes inside of their heart, just like it did with the Grinch. And I absolutely believe that in verse 20, that this is what's being referred to here, where it says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you will heat burning coals on his head, which is basically a quotation from uh, Proverbs 21. In other words, as you're doing these nice things, they might get to this point and go, what? Why are you doing that? I don't want you to be nice. Have you ever had that before? Where you've been nice to someone who doesn't deserve it and they almost get more angry and they're like, oh, and they can't figure it out. And then maybe you'll have that opportunity if they ask and say, why are you being so nice to me? Say, because I had grace that was extended to me. See, when we're able to operate out of our relationship with God and we understand that we were the difficult person, and yet God forgave us, we don't have to play the place of God in other people's lives trying to exact vengeance upon them. All right, so let's look at our last, uh, last clip here. Final principle that we have, number four, understand only God can change someone's heart. Only God can change someone's heart. Now, of course, I don't think that Dr. Seuss or the directors or producers were going for that. Um, But I think that we can see clearly that the Grinch has this change of heart. And to me, this is a really encouraging thing. So Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you, this is God speaking, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. Can I tell you one of the most freeing things that I hope to send you out with today is that if you have a difficult person in your life, Do you know that it's not your responsibility? You can't change their heart, but God can. That doesn't mean that God might not use you like we just looked in the way that you're responding in in Christ-like manner, that they might get a glimpse of the gospel, they might get a glimpse of of the good news, but at the end of the day, God is the one that ultimately changes hearts. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful because I know that there's times when we're looking at other people 
And yeah, you know, we have the superficial ones, you know, the superficial difficult people. You know, for me, it's anytime I call customer service. Like, if you ever see the news and it's like local pastor in jail and you see my picture, I, it's probably dealing with hurting someone in customer service, okay? You know, a cell phone bill, something like that you call. I have to pray even fast sometimes before calling. Okay, but those are superficial. But now you talk, okay, maybe work people. So you've worked with them for a long time. It's like, oh, why does my boss always do this? Or why does this person that I work with always respond in this way? And they're always throwing me under the bus. They're always getting me in trouble. Or they're always taking the credit for it. Ugh. And that can get frustrating. But what about the people, the long term? Especially family members. Where some of those go so far back. They're, they're, they're deeply rooted in, in pain and circumstances that you could probably just repeat without even thinking about it. And, and sometimes you may have this weight or this responsibility, like, I've got to do something. I've got to show them. I've got to convince them. I've got to maneuver. I've got to manipulate the situation. You don't. Because only God can change a heart. This is the reason why I believe that so many of the passages that talk about dealing with difficult people, you know what Jesus says? It says, pray for those that persecute you. Pray for the one that has offended you. Pray for the one that has hurt you. Because it's a spiritual matter that only God can take care of. So this is what we're going to do in a moment. Uh, first of all, I'm going to give anyone here or that's watching online the opportunity. If you've never said yes to Jesus before, you've never experienced that grace before, I'm going to give you an opportunity to make the most important decision of your life that you would accept that grace and forgiveness of Jesus. And then after that, I want to walk us through just a, a short time of prayer where we can really just be praying for some of those difficult people that came to mind uh, as I first asked you that in the first couple minutes of the sermon. So let's do this. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I first of all just thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you are a God of love. And I want to pray right now, if there's anyone that is tuned in online or is sitting in these seats that has never experienced your true forgiveness, that right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would be speaking to them, touch their hearts right now. And through that, that they would recognize that they are a sinner, that they are separated from you, that they deserve your wrath and that they just confess in their own word to just say, yes, God, I am a sinner that describes me. But God, that you would also just lavish your love and your grace upon them. And that they would say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you came to earth as God in the flesh. I believe that you lived a sinless and perfect life and that you died a brutal death on the cross in my place that you rose on the third day that I might have forgiveness of sins. Yes, Jesus, come into my heart come into my life, wipe my slate clean, give me a new start, may I be a new creation, a new creature in you, I surrender my life to you. And God, for the rest of us that have already said yes to you, would you help us first of all to use even your scripture as a mirror that we would look into our own hearts, that you would search our hearts as we're dealing with people we also even enter into a time in which we pray for those that have hurt us in the past or currently hurting us, that things are maybe even during the holidays increased as we have to spend time 
circles and in situations and groups of people that we might not even enjoy. And would you do something special this year? That the greatest Christmas gift wouldn't even be a vaccine, that the greatest Christmas gift wouldn't even be a new job, that it wouldn't be some sort of gift that's under the tree, but Lord, the gift of a changed heart and reconciled relationships. So in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church. Have a blessed day.